0: From tornadoes to hurricanes, blizzards, and everything in between, you're listening to the Stormfront Freaks Podcast. The Stormfront Freaks are former television meteorologist Mark Massaro, atmospheric science graduate and Skywarn storm spotter Brady Harris, digital meteorologist and weather producer on the Weather Channel app Dina Knightley, former on-camera meteorologist at the Weather Channel Kim Cunningham, and I'm your announcer and Skywarn network coordinator Mark Johnson. Now, here's the moderator of the Stormfront Freaks Podcast, Skywarn storm spotter and chaser Phil Johnson.
1: Hey, welcome everybody to the most entertaining weather podcast on your listening and viewing device. Yes, this is the Stormfront Freak Podcast. It's brought to you by Extreme Tornado Tours. They're the world's most popular storm chase tour company and the exclusive chase tour of the Stormfront Freaks. The 2020 schedule is going online and the seats will fill up fast. So, uh, Freaks, you guys got to make sure you jump on that right away. You can visit ExtremeTornadoTours.com for more details if you are a first-time listener uh, god help you but thank you uh definitely thanks for stopping by be sure to go to stormfrontfreaks.com because you can then access our library of all of our previous shows and famous guests from the weather industry like severe studios owner Corey hartman and zoom radars jeff Biradelli, uh to just name a couple of them but this is episode 76 and we've got Minnesota Twins baseball meteorologist, among other things. Uh, Mace Michaels is joining us tonight. So we're looking forward to chatting with Mace. Uh, we'll be playing our lightning round game and asking the question of the week, which uh, is kind of relevant right now. Is the weather channel responsible for storm chaser Corbin Jager's death? Uh, there's a big lawsuit on that right now. But we also have our exclusive tracker chat and tornado track segments. And we'll finish, of course with some of our hashtag weather fools. Uh, but before we get to all of that, it's always, uh, it's always happy hour when we record, and the best way to introduce our co-hosts and their voices and to let you know we like to have a lot of fun and be laid back here uh, is uh, to find out what everybody's drinking. So I'm gonna start with our intern this spring uh, who's joining us, oh, Morgan yes. Clark. She is um, a senior studying atmospheric sciences and communications at Ohio State University. So I have two questions for you, Morgan. Yes. The first question is, what are you drinking tonight?
2: Uh, so tonight I'm drinking Brewdog's 5AM Saints. It is a, an American Amber, love Brewdog. Ooh, nice. uh, that Very is nice. my, okay, my, so my stuff.
1: The, so here's my second question then. So we yes. talked last episode, you, you teased us in saying that uh, there's a couple grad schools that you've been accepted to, but you hadn't decided. And if I'm correct, one of them was Wisconsin. Yes. And the other one was
2: Colorado State.
1: Colorado State. So you yeah. are going to do a special reveal tonight. Yes. Uh, yes. So, I... if, so here's the thing. So it's a uh, it's also an audio podcast. So you have to yeah, show us because you have a hat to don, but you have to also tell <laughs> yes, us why yeah. you're donning the hat. Go. So, the stage so is I'm, yours. I
2: got a hat. I got a hat to do in the old um, what's it called like a sports thing.
1: So You recruit. Yep. You're a recruit. Recruit choosing your decision it's the decision
2: so for those listening i have a dark green hat that says rams
1: yeah colorado, yeah. State. colorado state
2: congratulations i committed wow. today yes yes i well, bought the hat specifically for this so nice. tell us why so
1: why why you choose colorado state
2: um well they have a great atmospheric science program and i applied for the um Uh, communications program the public communication technology program and i Mm -hmm. met somebody at the ams this year that also studies um communication technology and um is interested in science communication within the meteorological community so i that kind of encouraged me to apply there and i chose you know got accepted i was a little a little worried there for a second but
1: congratulations
3: i got in i heard when i was
2: in europe yep that
3: I'm so awesome. glad I'm so glad you didn't say uh because of the marijuana yeah you yeah
2: yeah.
4: Well, Maz, that's
3: what oh, you would
1: God. say no. that before
4: all right we're moving it's on so MJ funny.
1: MJ what are you drinking tonight
0: Hey I had a leftover uh, Irish harp in the uh, refrigerator <laughs> from St Patrick's Day so there we go uh, the, the
1: leftovers are always good because you never you never know what you're gonna get it's like uh, it's like a grab bag all right Maz uh, what are you drinking tonight
3: all right I got my stormfront freaks cup Ooh. it's turned blue which means it's cold. There's something cold in it, can you guess?
1: I'm going to guess water because you're yeah, teasing us. Yeah, cuz it's
3: still lent. was drinking yeah. the Lacroix. Oh, that's right. I that's was going right. to
2: say Lacroix. Ooh. You did too.
4: You, 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 you I've got gotten it. the correct answer And I did.
1: I did. I'm going to go to our guest Mace because he found out we do have a green room. But what what did you pull out of the virtual green room tonight?
5: <laughs> I'm not that exciting. I just have some sparkling water, ice smell yes. So I had Lacroix in the other room, but I wanted oh. to go with lime flavor. All right.
1: So with yes. the lime flavor, special. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's just get to our
3: guest, Maz. I'm going to turn it over to you. By the way, good job. You, you still have time to run and grab the uh, LaCroix if you need to. I to do? You... Okay. If yeah, I run okay. out of this, I will. <clears throat> it's a long intro. I mean, it's like six minutes. So <laughs> oh, anyway. okay. <clears throat> all right. Hey, so Mace Michaels, meteorologist for the Minnesota Twins, Weather Nation, Severe Studios, you name it, he's probably done it. He's a meteorologist and uh, for 30 years in broadcasting has taken him all across the Midwest and the South. His first TV meteorology job was in Wausau, Wisconsin, so was, there was a plug for Wisconsin there, Morgan, just saying, <laughs> followed by stops in Grand Rapids, where he and I were competition, just to let you know, uh, Fort Myers, Florida, Tampa, Florida, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Minneapolis, Minnesota, and then across the country on Weather Nation. Welcome, Mace. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so where was that the proper order? That was even were, the proper order, yes how come you look so much younger than me? We were in Michigan about the same time, man. I, I, I don't know. You know, good question. I, <laughs> I started young. How's that? I started real young. Yeah. Like age six. All right. Thanks a lot. Buddy. <laughs> right. Uh, there you go. So, so, so go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I, I, my quick question, I wanted to find out a little bit. So you, 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 you currently working with severe studios, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've had Corey Hartman on the show in the past. Um, what, what's was that a nice
5: long that... interview, by the way, or you know, did, was Corey concise?
1: Uh, Corey was <laughs> in his car. Listen, he was in his car with his family. Oh. Of course. Uh, So he was actually (laughs) doing his interview with his family and kids in the back seat. And I think something I remember chicken nuggets. So I don't know if the kids were eating chicken nuggets or if he was, but Phil, it sounds
3: like he wants a longer intro with a bachelor's degree in meteorology from the University of North Dakota. Mace is also an AMS certified broadcast meteorologist and winner of two regional emmy awards for hurricane and winter storm coverage you you want me to do more there we go that was good i I could come up with more
1: so here's i just want to know this so what what do you do for severe studios what's your role with uh and his company
5: Um, I really don't do much on the chasing side. A couple of years ago, we were approached by a a company here in Minneapolis uh, that's actually offshoot of the Twins. Uh, The Polag company owned some broadcast stations, and they were looking at starting up. uh, They had a news network and a sports network. They wanted to add the weather element to that. Hmm. Uh, So we started doing radio for uh, a bunch of stations. Corey and I worked together at what was the leftovers of Weather Nation. Weather Nation moved from Minneapolis, went out to Denver, and the company that was still here, he and I still worked for at the time. So when we got the radio side going, uh, that's how uh, I joined Severe Studios in that way, kind of merged in together. And we still forecast for about 20 radio stations here across Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, North Dakota.
1: And so you're, you're forecasting for them is then that that's your job and then doing some what, some cuts, radio cuts? Uh, what we
5: do is we do cuts that we upload. Uh, they are, A lot of the stations we're on are, are automated or they recorded some type of voice tracking things that go on so they insert our weather in there throughout the day and then we have temperature mentions on there the uh, magic of the uh, server can take our voice and put in the current temperature and mesh it all together so it sounds live so we're kind of giving those radio stations uh, frequent re- weather updates interesting all throughout
1: the day. I always thought severe studios was strictly on the chasing side of things and, and providing obviously video and brokering uh,
5: a lot of that. But Corey but, had a broadcast background long before yep. the chasing started. So mm-hmm. this was kind of the arm yeah. of getting that finally going for himself. Cool. So how are the twins looking?
0: Good right now. We're four Ain't and no one. Good.
3: Yes.
4: <laughs> yes.
3: Wait, wait, right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well,
4: well <laughs> <last> in,
0: Minnesota, <laughs> in Minnesota, that's what we always say.
5: Yeah. But, yeah. You know, last year we had seventy-eight wins. The year before that, we made the playoffs. So that's why we'll
3: say right now, we're, I'll be optimistic. <laughs> that's right. I was born in Minnesota. Oh, really? I oh, yeah. Sure, yeah. you betcha. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah, I know. You know, I've I lost the accent though, but it comes back, <laughs> Just to let you know. So, if you're forecasting, tell me how does that? Go, are you are you forecasting leading up to it days in advance? Are you forecasting also day of? When does it start? How do you do it all? Oh, for the
2: radio
5: stations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. for the, yeah, for the twins. For oh, for the twins. Okay, yeah. for the twins. Yeah, uh, the twins is generally it's a short term thing. We're looking at pretty much what they're concerned about. I mean, when's the rain going to move in? When's it going to end? Temperature, yes, we talk about it. And that's a concern with the grounds crew. I work mainly with the grounds crew. So uh, those are the folks that are asking me the questions. When we get into a rain situation uh, or some type of other weather that's going to be a problem, that's when the uh, management of the twins gets involved as well. So I'm spending a lot of time on GR radar, uh, radar scope radar. Uh, We have a couple of different just in case one data or vendor goes down we have another one just in case uh looking at both the terminal doppler and also of course mpx about everything we can look at to get a good idea of timing when it'll start when it'll stop and of course plenty of time on the h and any other short-term models as well
3: to do the best i can to get an idea of when it's coming through have you had to call a game yet like hey it, this isn't good or what's the worst event that you've had weather-wise there for a game? Um, I've had a few too many the, that I had
5: to call. We started about three years ago. Uh, the original uh, meteorologist with the Twins, when they opened the stadium, the outdoor stadium, that's when they moved away from the Metrodome, was in 2010. And uh, that was Craig Edwards. He was the uh, chief out, uh, MIC, out at MPX for years and years. or I think when it was even MSP. And then they went out to MPX. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, when he retired from, uh, from the government and the NWS, he still did some part-time radio for NPR, approached the Twins. They were like, great idea. We know we will need help with weather. And that's how the program sort of grew. He retired a couple of years ago. I contacted the Twins along with another meteorologist, Todd Nelson, who I also worked with out at Corey at uh, the Leftovers of Weather Nation. And uh, we both end up doing the forecasting now. And it's, it's, it's going pretty well. But that first year was tough. I think I had 15, 16 days where if we didn't have some type of direct problem, we had you know, a rain delay or a rain out. I mean, not not all 15, 16 oh, were gosh. I worried, but there was something on the radar and I was sitting there parked in front of it most of the night.
3: Any evacuations or no the No evacuations.
5: Tunnels? We've had some thunderstorms where we pulled everybody up out of the stands mm-hmm. and of course the players took shelter. But uh, my worst case probably was, well, I'll, I'll give you the plus and the minus. In the first week that I started, Uh, We had a a good chance of rain coming in, but uh, uh, the way the models were moving it in, uh, we had kind of a northeasterly flow. So I felt it was going to knock down the rain and give us enough time to get in a couple innings. We ended up getting in six and a half. It was against the Brewers. Twins were ahead. We called the end of it. So that was a plus in the weather department. We got a win. And also uh, we we timed out when the rain was going to move in. A week later, similar situation, but it was rain moving up from the south. We had a northeast flow. All of the models were moving the rain in before game time. The South Metro was raining and uh, the lovely Northeast flow and the dry wind. So we called the game uh, based off of, the, of what we were seeing on the forecast and the radar. The actual raindrops didn't get downtown till about 9, 930. Now it was a raw night at 40 degrees. So who would have wanted to have been outside? But we could have got a game in. So So that was kind of a tough one.
3: So now you got to talk about your worst, like, man, I totally blew that one.
5: Um, well, that one was kind of, cause it was after having a good one, but probably <laughs> the one that snuck up on me. Um, we had s- severe storms up by Mille Lacs Lake and they were rolling East and we looked good, no problems. And they decided to dive South as they became severe and nothing really had them moving that way. And with about an hour and a half, we had the line progressing at us. But it lost a little of the mean flow as it got closer into the Twin Cities and started to oscillate in the north metro. Uh, I don't remember the exact synoptic setup, but we must have had some type of stationary boundary in there as well. And it kind of oscillated on the boundary. So we ended up getting an extra half hour to where it was raining up on 494, which is about three, four miles, the northern loop of the Twin Cities. Mm -hmm. It would come down real close to the metro. We could see the lightning, the dark clouds. And then it kind of backed off and oscillated back up. So I'm looking one exit, two exits up from us at the tower cams uh, and the uh, DOT cameras. And it's just pouring and we're still dry at the stadium. But the the whole problem there was at six o'clock, I was like, oh, wow, here we come with severe weather possibilities and thunderstorms. And at five o'clock, when everybody's asking me, I'm like, no, no, it looks like it's going to stay north. The watch boxes are up north. The mean flow looks generally westerly, but surface conditions took over and it dove southeast.
3: So huh. if you're seeing lightning,
4: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, yeah, I, I, I know you're thinking the same thing. At what point in time are you like, oh, uh, hey guys? I
4: know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm going to throw in here, Maz. I was on Carolina Weather Group, and I think uh, Mace, you were with them. Yes, a few weeks a few weeks ago, and I think you talked a little bit about the lightning issue. And I, I did want to ask you about that. What you know what your role is in that, and what you do with that.
5: Sure. MLB does not have an official Lightning standard. So it's not like the NCAA where.
1: That is crazy, by the yeah. way. Yes.
5: <laughs> they don't have a standard. I, I, it's it's surprising, but they don't have one. So I'm not as concerned about the Lightning from a plane standpoint as we are for a facility standpoint. So yes, the Twins uh, management folks are down there right away talking to me and you know asking me about where the Lightning is. When's the Lightning going to move in? What am I seeing? But from an MLB standpoint, that's really not as much of a concern. Now, obviously, if we're getting strikes wow. close and around the station, it's a different case or a station. You can tell I'm used to TV in and around the stadium. Uh, it, it's, it's obviously a concern and we would be worried about it, but there's not a lightning standard at MLB.
3: Little so, league has a standard. So do you, standard.
1: do you follow anything then Mace? Like, is like, do you follow anything at all where if there's a lightning strike within one mile or, or is that left up to the umpires once the game has started to make that decision?
5: Once the game is started, it is completely the umpire's call God, on this, whether this we stop things or not. Wow, um, that People is with no not...
1: weather knowledge <laughs> at all. And no, they like, make the decision.
5: What? What about like?
1: Are you like as far as radar and things of that nature? Are you sharing any of that with them in between innings, or letting them know, hey, there's something coming right now, just so you're aware um are you sharing that or anybody from the grounds crew sharing that information
5: exactly larry devito he's the head of the grounds crew uh he's always sitting uh as close as you can get to home plate uh with the way the stadium is shaped off of uh, the side of the third base dugout so he is sitting there ready to answer questions for them at any time if there's stuff going on in between uh, innings he runs out there lets them know what i'm seeing on the radar when i think it's going to move in and then as it gets close half the time i'm yelling down the hallway to another person of the grounds crew, uh, and then who yells it up to Larry so we can let the umpires know in between bats if uh, and when something's going to move in. So so we're letting them go as much as possible. So you
1: still leave the lightning strike. That's still left up to the umpires to decide if they're going to call the game and you ask fans to seek shelter, or do you still let the game go on if they haven't called it yet, but you, do you guys do any kind of um, video board Uh, information to the fans to maybe let them know to seek shelter even though the game might still be going on?
5: Uh, with, with the Twins folks that are down there with me, Dave Horseman, he's in charge completely of what goes on in the stadium at the time. Matt Hoy is usually talking with the umpires before the game and then also concerns with that. Uh, they are always asking me, where's the closest lightning strike? They get alerts on their phone as well. Uh, DTN is one of the providers we use and that gives them the lightning alerts. Sure. Yep. So they're asking me, hey Mace, I'm seeing lightning here. What do you think? And so I'm letting them know. But it's the umpire who makes the decision of when we stop the game.
1: Have you noticed changes from umpires to umpires where some might call it within a certain distance and others are willing to wait longer?
5: All crews are different. Every oh, umpire goodness. behind home plate, it's its the crew chief, but usually it's the umpire behind home plate that uh, has the most influence. But the crew chief does make the decision and they'll decide when to pull things off. So and, it, it's completely you know, discretion of the person
3: who's in charge that night.
1: And, and do you, what at, I've, go ahead, Matt. I
3: was going to say, do you at least ask the umpire to go stand on the pitcher's mound so he's a little bit higher up from where <laughs> he is? Because I'm, I'm like, how, <laughs> I mean, like, that's got to be the lowest place of the whole. Stadium to look or to see from.
5: If I mean, from a rain standpoint, they are. If if the pitchers are complaining about the problems on the mound, if we're not dealing with lightning, they're they're concerned about that. But uh, when it comes to the lightning side, uh, you know, they see and hear it, and we let them know. But they make they they make the decision on when to make a pause in the game.
1: And and I've read, Maser, is this the case that that the Twins are the only team in Major League Baseball
5: that actually
1: employ a meteorologist?
5: Uh, On staff at the stadium, yes. A couple of the other teams have consulting meteorologists or they consult with the company. Um, I believe the Royals had a a meteorologist and they consult with the company. Uh, Some use uh, AccuWeather or uh, DTN. Um, I can't think of what WeatherBug's main forecasting arm is right now, but they're used as well. And MLB contracts with them as well too. So MLB's consulting with them as much as talking to us with what we're seeing going on there. But yeah, we're the only one who have somebody which, at every game, every which home to day. me
1: is is crazy. At least for the outdoor parks, and and so, my my question is: Has there been any discussion amongst those that are involved with each of the teams from a meteorological level? You know, have you been talking about hey, developing standards or hey, we should start doing something? I mean, has there been any talk about changes to what the current situation is, which is having no plan?
5: Not that I am aware of. That would be wow. beyond me. I'm not in that, those type of discussions. Uh, I hear things about them talking about and setting standards, but nothing with me directly. We have our target field uh, evacuation plan and our standards that we would do there. And you you asked about uh, notifying up on the board and also making announcement, announcements. And yes, we're doing that during, uh, during or as the storms are approaching.
1: So I've I've got a lot of these questions because so I work with an NCAA Division One athletic department okay. and and of course our standard is is eight miles you know eight miles lightning strike, uh, everything is stopped for thirty minutes. Um, there is no activity, and if there's another lightning strike within eight miles during that thirty minutes, it resets the clock for another thirty minutes. We had a game, a football game uh, here in the last fall, twenty eighteen where our game was delayed three hours because it was just we'd get a lightning strike and then uh they actually at one point came back out for probably three minutes and then bam there's another lightning strike with and they went back to the locker room and uh and and so to me you know that's the direction things are going it's it's just surprising that a professional level sporting event especially like baseball because and and mj has talked about this as well of uh, little league stuff, you know, we're little, where it's yeah. parents, parents are running this stuff and they'll, they'll just keep playing, you know, because their role model is major league baseball where heck it's Halen. who cares? Let's still keep playing the game if we need to, as long as the field's not an issue. And, um,
5: I, I, to I'm me, pretty that's sure my... high school here has a standard in Minnesota and I know Iowa did when they I do. worked there and it's yeah. the same thing. It's a 30 minute type thing. I don't know the distance, but
3: I know it's 30 minutes after the last strike like you were saying. I called a I called a little league game once because the umpires I mean they had six games back to back I mean all the <clears throat> the dugouts are all right there together and it was a situation where I'm like going I cannot uh, it, who's who's going to be calling this here no I'm like that's it I'm stepping up and I'm like coach coach get over here umpire come here for a second because they're like what the heck and I'm like look at radar you know we got lightning right here you got kids what are you going to do and they and they called it but i mean it was my kids were there that's why part of the reason why they
1: they wouldn't have done that so do do you see anything changing in the future or what's going to change the future mace
5: um i don't see anything changing as in a hardcore rule right now um and I don't know what would make that change. Um, that's, again, beyond me, and we have had some discussions but uh, in the office amongst us, um, but it's usually we're more concerned about what's going on at, at Target Field specifically. Uh, every team is, again, different. I mean, obviously, if you're you're out in San Diego, you're not worried about thunderstorms nearly as often, but in, in Florida, I can think of the Marlins a few years ago, um, all they have is the grounds crew, head groundskeeper with a radar on his app. I don't even know what radar he was using, and he made... You know, it, it, he thought it was going to be okay, and the, of course, sea breeze came in, and it started pouring on him. And there was lightning all around. There was a game the Twins had in Texas a couple of years ago, and there was thunderstorms as well. I believe severe weather around um, uh, was it Houston or Dallas? I can't. It, w- it would have been Dallas because Houston's indoors. Um, so it was Dallas and lightning strike. Bam! Everyone scurried but there wasn't any rain up to that point in time. They knew there were thunderstorms around. There was severe weather to the South and you, you had a lightning strike really close by. I think that was like four or five years ago. It was when I was working on weather nation and we ran the video.
3: Are you doing away games too, or just home? Or how does
5: that just work? Home. Just home. Just home. Yep. Just home. I do the Monday through Thursday and Todd does uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
3: Huh. So do you feel like all of your uh, TV experience leading up to that led you to be, I could do this. I can pinpoint it down to a hundred yards. Um,
5: TV preparing me for the <laughs> crap I would get from the management. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but when it came to the, the the micro scale side, what really helped me was those years working in Florida. Everything in Florida, if you've been down there or ever well, been down there, if you've ever watched the radar evolve for a number of time or ever worked down there, everything moves so slowly, so you really get to watch things develop and you get to really see, um. When things are developing, be it uh, the sea breeze itself, outflows, thunderstorms colliding, cell mergers, everything we see up here with severe weather up north, but it happens so much slower down there uh, that it really helped to prepare me for here to get me up to speed and get ready for it. So I can't say it was TV that helped, but it indirectly helped. It, it
1: helps psychologically, maybe, right?
5: It helps psychologically, again, from <laughs> all the, the, the tough times I get from the guys when uh, when it's sunny and great. Uh, the management folks, Matt, always says to me, you're stealing money from me. And then the next thing, he walks in and yells at me when we've got rain the next night. So I can't win.
1: Yeah, you're, you're, what What do they say, overpaid 99% of the time, underpaid yes. 1% of the time.
5: He so. has said that to specifically, yes. <laughs> all right, well,
1: hey, I tell you what, you guys, you all have your favorite go-to weather app, right? You know, there's tons of choices out there. You'd have to ask yourself, why would anyone make another weather app? Well, if you try Atmosphere Weather, believe me, you're going to understand why, because Atmosphere Weather, it's an all presenting, uh, it, it's, it's all about presenting the forecast in a true, at a glance daily view, and it's it's pretty ingenious how they arrange the weather forecast around this 24 hour clock. It makes it so much easier to read the forecast. You add calendar events to track the weather with your upcoming plans. Uh, you gotta try this to believe it. Download Atmosphere Weather now on iOS and Android. There's a full featured free trial, then it turns into a basic free version if you want once the trial's over. Uh, just search Atmosphere Weather in your app store or visit atmosphereweather.com. Hey, we're going to take a short break. Go ahead and refill your drink and check out Tracker Chat with the Tornado Trackers. They're discussing part two of the tornado events that shaped them. Uh, go ahead and do that, and we will going to be uh, we'll be right back.
6: Welcome to Tracker Chat, the podcast within a podcast. We are the Tornado Trackers. My name is Jeremy Heyman, and I am joined by my chasing partners, Gabe Cox and Jeff Mangum. Over the next few weeks, we are talking about the tornado events that shaped us uh, in our youth. Uh, This week, Gabe Cox is going to uh, let us in on the tornado event that shaped his life. Take it away, Gabe.
7: All right. So I had the unfortunate luck of growing up in Maine, which is a beautiful state, unless you love severe weather. So most of my um, tornado experiences as a kid were watching the news. So it was funny meeting Jeff eight years ago, first moving to Austin, Texas, and realizing that this little town called Gerald was just north of Austin, and then meeting Jeff, who actually chased that day, because Gerald was one of those news stories that I watched as a kid. And was just completely blown away. I had already been obsessed with tornadoes, but I had never seen something that was so entirely and thoroughly destructive. It took my, well, what was already an obsession and just kind of took it to the next level. Like, how can something like that come out of a cloud? It just blew my mind as a kid. Um, And then a couple years later, I was watching the Weather Channel like I did every day after school. And I watched the May 3rd, 1999 tornado outbreak happened live. Most of what I watched was just the radar screen that they had on the Weather Channel showing the debris ball and everything moving into Oklahoma City. Um, I got the VHS called May's Fury. It was the K4 documentary oh, yeah. about yeah. the May 3rd tornado. And man, I watched that VHS at least 100 times, no joke. Um, and then my first tornado was an EF-0. So my first real tornado experience happened when I was living in Jacksonville, Florida. I was working at a film company and just, it was a nine to five job and I had a second floor office with a window that faced towards the river that runs through downtown Jacksonville. And about, I think four in the afternoon, I could hear thunder and I looked up and I saw storm clouds. Um, And then I thought I saw something that looked like a cone but there was this tree right in front of my window. So I didn't have my car that day. I had a bicycle that I rode into work. So I hopped on my bike and I biked down to the river. And as I'm pulling around the bend, there's a water spout less than a quarter mile away, right in the river that I'm biking towards. Um, And that that was my first experience seeing any sort of funnel. And I was freaking out. And the the riverbank was lined with people. There were tons of people watching it. Um, But I watched it for several more minutes until it dissipated and then rode my bike back to the office. And uh, by the time I got back, a second funnel was forming. And everyone I was working with had run outside at that point because they heard what was happening. And they were filming the second funnel. Um, And so I grabbed uh, some cameras that were laying around the office and Pointed it up out the window. We were in a in a historic building that had no closets and it had very uh, like that thin historic glass that's all warped. So my thought was, there's no safe place to hide. If this thing's coming over the office, I'm gonna just experience it full on. So I was hanging out the window that was open, filming straight up as this funnel was going over, and it just kind of skirted the office a little bit. It was um, probably not even a hundred feet down the road, uh, and it was sucking up palm fronds off the tree right next to me, and as soon as it, I knew it had passed by, I ran out the door and looked straight up, and it was the most beautiful blue, deep blue funnel just spinning overhead, and you could see the palm fronds that had been sucked up spinning around, and that was my first tornado experience, and I, I mean... That sold it for me. After that, <laughs> there was no way I was not going to chase tornadoes. Um, up until that point, I had kind of just thought storm chasing was a far off dream. And yeah, maybe someday I'll like pay to go on a tornado safari. But that day I was like, there's no way I'm not going to pursue this as some sort of career. I got to make this work. And Can we change our name to Tornado Safari?
3: Ooh, checking <laughs> Twitter and Instagram now. We just wear all khaki. And like, <laughs> <laughs> we, have to, we have to drive around in like these buses that
7: have no canopies and no cover. Right. Right. Did, you, you, did you guys ever look those up when you were younger? The tornado tours? There was oh, one yeah. called, there was one no called Tornado Safari, I think. Maybe I just made that up. Absolutely, I looked those Trademark up. Trademark tornado sure. trackers if I just made it up. Yeah, I almost dropped $3,000 to go on yes. one. Glad I didn't. Dang. <laughs> thanks for sharing that Gabe any other details that stick out to you about either of those days I mean I don't like to brag but it is fun to think that my first storm chase was done on a bike I'm kind of holding on to that one and wearing it as a badge
6: that's like Ben Franklin on a horse you know
7: chasing a tornado Absolutely
6: awesome well thanks so much for sharing that Gabe two, two great stories but this has been Tracker Chat the podcast within a podcast uh, we have been the Tornado Trackers, and you can find us on our website at tornadotrackers.org. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.
0: Helicity.co is the leader in weather-themed clothing and accessories for the Stormfront Freak and you. Besides a creative line of weather-themed t-shirts, footwear, bags, and more, they also carry an exclusive line of Stormfront Freak's podcast gear and drinkware. Get a 5% discount on your entire order when you use the code SFF for Stormfront Freaks at checkout. That code again is SFF. Find it all at Helicity.co. Hey, welcome back, everybody. So we're with Minnesota Twins
1: meteorologist Mace Michaels, uh, who also works for Severe Studios. And and I want to talk about this because I want to jump to our question of the week, um, which which is going to cover a little bit uh, here this past month, um, the estate of Corbin Jaeger, who was a storm chaser that was killed in 2017 uh, when he was hit by uh, two other storm chasers, Kelly Williamson and Randy Arnall. Um, while chasing. they Actually, Kelly and Randy went through a stop uh, stop sign, uh, struck Corbin, and actually all three of them died. But what happened just recently here is the mother of Corbin Jagger filed a lawsuit not only against the estates of uh, Williamson and Yarnall, but also uh, sued the Weather Channel, who at the time, Williamson and Yarnall, were chasing for the Weather Channel. They were employed by the Weather Channel because they were doing a series called Storm Wranglers. And uh, the, the lawsuit talked about how um, uh, the vehicle that Williamson was in had all these cameras and everything in the dashboard that could have prevented him from, from seeing uh, the distractions that all that causes, uh, why they felt the Weather Channel is potentially responsible for encouraging going after these storms and maybe encouraging uh, uh, getting to these storms quicker, et cetera. Uh, while they were going so fast. But my question is this, because Mace, so you work for Sphere Studios. Uh, share with all of us a little bit, because you told me slightly about, you remembered the day of the accident, you remember hearing about it, and tell us w- what you were doing and, and how you heard about it.
5: I, I believe I was. Uh, we were, you know, we are watching the storms of that day, and, and I, I'm always in chat with with Corey Hartman one way or another. Uh, we own a radio station together in Baraboo, Wisconsin, so there may have been as much discussion as that going on as this, the severe weather of the day. Um, but you know, the Chaser community is very, very tight knit. Everybody knows everybody, and Corey right away had sent me a message. It sounds like there was a really bad accident, and I'm not sure who is involved, but I think I know who. Was involved and of course severe studios has the platform for streaming and kelly streamed on their platform along with other platforms uh, too i believe he had a youtube Mm -hmm. channel and things like that so but he used severe studios uh, as a streaming platform so uh uh it wasn't hard to find out right away what had happened before it even got out to the rest of the world and to the rest of the chaser community
1: sure and and honestly that that's how i i found out about who kelly was a little bit was through the streaming uh, through severe studios and, and I just always realized that man he always, he always did seem to be on the storms. He always seemed to be there. Um, but so my question to, to Mason, the freaks, all of you is really to, to find do, do you feel the weather channel? Uh, you know certainly I think um, Williamson and, and Yarnall, uh, I think there's a proven history of, of driving fast and, and you know when you stream in your chases, you can't really hide much. Uh, and unfortunately, I think that there was uh, some of that was involved, too. They just they couldn't hide that maybe they did go through stop signs or they did uh, those kinds of things. But um, do you I guess my question more is do you feel the Weather Channel's response? Do you think there's some responsibility from the employer in this case of the series that they were doing um, that they they were responsible for their driving and the potential death of Corbin Jaeger? And Mace, I'll, I'll just start with you. I mean, personally, what do you what's your opinion on it? What do you think?
5: Well, from a from a legal standpoint, and obviously, I'm not a lawyer, but it it looks like, uh, you know, they were obviously employees of the Weather Channel. Um, That was the first question. Some people are freelance, so they're not directly paid a salary and, you know, things like that. That's what I thought it
1: was. Yeah, right. That's what I thought it was. But I agree. It sounded like they were employees.
5: Right. Yep. They were employees. Okay. Uh, there's, I think you will probably end up side note. You will have less chasers who are direct employees and more that either work through like contracted through severe studios with yeah. Corey or any of the other chaser groups that are out like that, or will contract directly with the weather channel, but they won't be employees. So that may be one of the changes you see. That's just my personal opinion. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, weather channel on their responsibility that's such a tough question to answer i mean there's there's so much in tv if you've ever worked in tv um you're driven by so many things going on and and knowing many a chasers and not naming anybody specifically you want to be where you want to be and you want to get that shot and the more you can get that shot especially in the rare cases uh that drives your pocketbook and it also can help to drive ratings so uh there there's definitely an indirect responsibility you have to say if you just look at it on the surface like that but it, it's really tough to say overall you know how how was the weather channel screaming in his ear were they saying that i really doubt it we need you here we need you there i don't think they've ever been like that um considering what happened three years before that uh in the, in the uh, oklahoma city and el reno type case uh you know where they had their own chase vehicles hit and uh right. the night that uh, you know tim lost his life and and everybody
1: What, Maz, what, what do you, obviously a TV background for yourself. Um, what do you think? Obviously we don't know all the details and and I'm asking everybody to kind of give me their jury opinion when we, we don't know all the details and we're not a part of the jury, but from just your opinion standpoint is, do you think a TV station or in this case, a weather channel could have some responsibilities
3: there? Uh, well, first of all, yeah, I understand. First of all, very tragic situation. And and you know our hearts go out to everybody, even all the friends along with the family, and you know it's hard to dredge all that stuff back up again. But I do understand this is an extremely litigious society we live in, and um, you know I I think if I if I look at it from somebody who is a storm chaser and you're going out storm chasing, inherently there are risks involved in doing that. So there's nothing written that says yes, I assume risks for doing this. But if there's if there's any kind of um, uh, liability due to negligence, that that changes things just a little bit. I was able to go watch the on YouTube the video up to the point of the intersection, and then the video stopped. Mm-hmm. But I was I watched it that last like thirty seconds over and over, and I'm like, "Ooh, they are flying," and there's the stop sign. And I don't know if he couldn't see it or what. And, 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 you know, people can say one thing like, oh, Hey, so-and-so may have been, have a, hes- have a history of that. I have no idea if they had a history of, of blown through stop signs or not. So I'm not here to talk about that, but it's true. I did look up, I, I just went to a website like nolo.com, which was, a a, a site that deals with litigical things. And it says, if you are an employee, um, you're held directly responsible. And then if they if if there was a an situation
1: employer or an employee if if
3: you are an employee of an employer the employer then is is okay. held yeah I'm sorry if I said that the wrong way um and if then there are some people who said well the Weather Channel knew that they had a history of something if that were the case then you get the negligent side as well and things step up it, it's it's such a sad situation all the way around you know I'm sure if everybody could go back. Everybody would have done things differently. It's just a situation that's just so sad. But I, I could see, I could see the lawsuit going through. Uh, I don't know about the, the the exact dollar. I saw the the amount they were looking for, and I don't know if, if they'll get that or not. But ooh, in this Touch litigious them. society yeah. that we live in right now, I have a feeling it's it's going to go through
1: morgan what i guess what what do you know about the the situation and and i guess my question also to you is is what do you think might come out of this you've got a communications background and um talked a little bit about you know where obviously the direction that something like this can create but what do you what do you know about it and where do you think this might lead to
2: well so my thoughts are basically a combination of what the uh, what they just said is basically you know it it's part of everybody like the the consumer um how the viewers you know want more and also a part of um the like legality of the employer and who's responsible for it but i think as um as far as outcomes go i think that Huh. I don't know. If you're running I think, the weather
1: channel right now, yeah. what what would something like this do? What what would what decisions would you make moving forward, knowing you just got sued because a storm chaser that you employed ran a stop sign and killed somebody and themselves?
2: Well, the first thing that I learned in my crisis communication class, Doctor Holt would be very proud of me to say this, but is to apologize, um, and you know. Really, like, apologize to the families and the friends for, you know, whatever had happened, if they were even at fault or even if they weren't at fault, apologize and um, just kind of make sure that that never happens again and just get get out there in the public so that people aren't uh, like seeing this information, seeing that there's a lawsuit against the Weather Channel and saying, like, oh, well, I can't trust the Weather Channel, you know, if they're sending people out to basically, you know, get killed. So um, I think if the the Weather Channel can just go out and say something about this topic, I don't know if they have. I've just read the uh, um, article you shared with us, but um, I think that would be the best move. Yeah, okay. As far as if – so whoever's doing PR for – the Weather
3: Channel. Start with that. near me you out, do, yeah. You know, you you look at this after the fact down, and, and you think you're asking the question, "What would you do different?" Differently, I wouldn't have any employees in a such a high risk situation. You know, now that you see that, it's like, well, that could happen, and this this is what could happen all the way around to the corporation itself of the weather. And I like the Weather Channel group watching it, still watch it, etc. Um, but from litig- litigious side, I'm looking at it going. Boy, I, you've got to insulate yourself as a company from lawsuits. And I could see, no, nah, nope, not going to have any employees. You've got to find a way to, to buffer your corporation from, as every company does. Every company has to find a way because everybody's looking to sue everybody. By the way, don't <laughs> sue us for any of this stuff tonight. we're talking <laughs> uh, about. Uh, MJ,
1: kidding. what, what are your thoughts on it? And, and how do you think this might change the storm chasing industry?
0: I mean, I think I'm, I'm right in there with Maz and, and, and maybe what May said a little bit too, is that it, it is, I think it changes it, whether or not the, the lawsuit completes with the Weather Channel being culpable, you know, for, for any of it, because it makes, it's going to make people concerned about having those employees, right? It's going it, to, it, it, I think it's going to change that dramatically. You're not going to have that. Now, I don't know if that means, how far does that go? Right. Does that go to the organizations that these, uh, chasers belong to or that they, you know, work with or around or through, um, if it's not a, you know, a weather channel or an AccuWeather or somebody like that, I don't know how far it goes, but, but it's going to change things from that standpoint. If the lawsuit goes, finishes with the weather channel being found, uh, uh, responsible, that's a precedent that's going to, you know, continue on. Uh, and, and I think that's going to make a lot of companies look at what they do, uh, around storm chasing and, and other things that put people in harm's way. So.
1: Mace, what, what, what do you, do you foresee this having any changes to how severe studios and Corey operates things?
5: And there's one thing I was going to add before I even answer that question. I believe the Weather Channel was owned by a different company before in 2017, if I remember right. Yes, they Um,
1: they were. The TV side, yeah.
5: So, right. So, I, I don't even know who... I'm going to assume the lawsuit is against that group as opposed to the current group, but I can't say for sure. I haven't seen the paperwork. So, that even makes it I don't want to say more interesting. That's a bad way to put it, but it, it makes the litigious, uh, the litigation side mm-hmm. uh, more interesting too, to how the current operation will operate down the road here. But um, so to, so to answer your question here from kind of on this side, uh, you know, how it will change things. Um, I don't, believe it'll change much differently from, from the aspect of what Corey would do on the severe studio side. Very few of his chasers are under a direct contract for that type of situation where they're chasing directly for somebody or for him. Most of them are doing it in, in some type of, and and I'm again on the radio side, so I don't right. know how the contracts right. are drawn up and sure. how things are done. So I shouldn't even be fully saying, but I know that most of the, it, it's at a more of an arm's length. It's not a direct relationship. You're not working for Corey, directly as an employee got it
1: well well let's do you know we're always looking for your uh your input on it so if uh, you're listening to show or watching the show uh feel free to drop us your feedback you can email us at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com let us know what you think or you can find us on uh facebook or twitter just look up uh stormfront freaks and uh you'll find us there and, and let us know what you think but uh quick question mace what, uh, I guess, how can
5: listeners find you on social media? Where are you at? Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Twitter, it's Mace Michaels. Same thing on Instagram and uh, on Facebook. I'm Mace Michaels. Just search for me there. You'll find me. Wow. You must have a unique name or something. <laughs> That's huh? where, yeah. Mace <laughs> is my real middle name, so but I've been always called that as a kid. So it just kind of stuck, and it works worked great for TV. The Michaels part was the thing that was made up by a general manager years ago, and it stuck. Here I am 25, 30 years ago. Is that later, legal? Is later. that legal? Now, Michaels has got nothing to do with me at all legally. Okay. At all, nothing. No. Not oh, it, the, the it's not even name.
3: your middle name? No, no. Mace is my middle name. Okay, okay. Because a lot of times it would be you know, you take your middle name, out an S, and that becomes your last name in TV. Sure, sure. So. Uh, yeah, Roger's
5: well, my first name. And in Grand Rapids, I was Mace Rogers. Maybe that's why you don't remember. That's why. Name. Ah, there you go.
3: <laughs> no, I remember you as Mace Windu, I believe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's uh, yeah. That's funny. All yeah, right. It's a
2: little too pale for that.
1: <laughs> so let's do that. So that's uh, that's the sound. It is time for our lightning round. This is our uh, game show of flashy questions for our guest. We always invite everybody to play along as we go. Uh, Mace tonight. Uh, we're gonna play a little game. This is actually weather related. Uh, okay. A lot of times it's it's not weather related. Tonight it is. We're gonna call this lightning high or low. So lightning high or low. So basically what this is is uh, I'm going to go through some uh, National Weather Service lightning statistics. Uh, and, and each of the statistics comes with a number. And the number I give you is not the correct number. The actual number is going to be either higher or lower than the number I give you.
8: Okay. okay?
1: So uh, I've got a few questions here, and it's related to lightning because obviously you work for the Minnesota Twins, and they'll continue to play ball even if it's lightning outside, obviously. <laughs> so <laughs> I figured, like a suit. So I figured this, uh, yeah, so I figured this would be appropriate. But here we go. So lightning higher or low, and, and uh, freaks, you're welcome to kind of, you know l- let them know what you think. If uh, you want give to them, give them tips or hints, uh, you're welcome to do that. But yes, first one. Do. mace, first one. So lightning can strike as much as 12 miles from a storm, so is, is the real distance higher or lower than 12 miles? Uh, higher. That is correct, that is correct. The real distance uh, from the National Weather Service, it can strike as much as 15 miles from the storm. All right, so uh, we'll keep that in mind when you count to three after the thunder and or after the lightning strike, you hear the thunder, right, that uh, should take shelter. All right, in the US, there is an estimated 10 million strikes each year. Is the actual number higher or lower than 10 million?
5: Ooh, that is a tough question um Freaks, what do you? Freaks can help out. What are you think? I'm 10 thinking? Ten million lower. strikes each yeah. year in the U.S. That seems like a lot. That I would like say lower.
1: So you're going to say lower?
5: Yes. Oh,
1: wow. Incorrect. Really? There is an estimated 25 million strikes oh, each year, cow. and half of those are
3: near the Metrodome. <laughs> 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 Metrodome doesn't there exist anymore. anymore. I know. So. I, know. <laughs> I
1: know. All right. Good. All right. Number three. So you're one for two. Air around a lightning strike is heated to 100,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Is the actual number higher or lower than 100,000 degrees Fahrenheit?
5: What is that number two? And I've looked at it. And... Don't say number two on the air. No, 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 T <laughs> O, no. not T W O. Oh, man. <laughs> man. Ah. So 100,000 degrees?
1: 100,000. Is it higher or lower than 100,000 degrees? Lower. You're going to say lower? Yes. That would be correct. It's fifty thousand degrees, which is still hotter it's than the surface of the sun. Yep, but fifty thousand degrees Fahrenheit. All right, uh, two for three. Next question: The average flash of lightning could light a hundred watt light
5: bulb for two months.
1: Is See, the I was going to say
5: higher until you added the two month part. Now is, that makes is, it hard.
1: Okay, is is the actual? I'm like, yes, higher. So it can light a hundred a hundred watt light bulb. Is the actual? Uh, length of time higher or lower than two months. I'll
5: I'll still say higher. You're gonna say higher? Yes.
1: That's correct. It's three months. So it could light (laughs) a hundred watt light bulb for three months. (laughs) I mean that's still what an extra thirty days. That's still pretty good. Geez, I didn't
5: learn that one in Met 101 years ago. Darn. You're (laughs) You're rolling. You're rolling.
1: Here we go. Thunder. Thunder can be heard up to twenty miles away is the actual distance higher or lower than twenty miles. Lower. Lower what That's incorrect thunder can be heard up to 25 miles away
3: 25 <laughs> okay really? yeah, what are you okay. a dog with hearing or something uh, oh, gosh. i don't know i don't know
1: all right moving on you're still doing well here we got two more lightning kills an average of 50 people in the u.s each year is the actual number of people killed on average every year from lightning higher or lower than 50
5: i think it's higher say higher yeah.
1: Oh, that is incorrect. It is 47. So it's Morgan. lower. Morgan, did you know?
2: I, oh, okay. So I did pull up my uh, You're um, cheating. severe weather climatology okay. notes from Dr. Rogers' class. Oh, okay. Yeah. There. Well,
1: that's uh, cheating. Oh. So that's not well, fair.
2: Uh, it didn't work out, did it?
1: No, obviously not. You took bad notes. What's your problem? (laughs) All right. So here's the last question. The
2: graphics are from 05. Oh, sue the the professor. Sue
1: the professor. Take take it up. (laughs) These these are from the National Weather Service. Take it up with them. All right. So here we go. So from 2009 to 2019, uh, this year, so over the last 10 years, we've had 272 lightning fatalities and 75% were male. Is the actual percentage of male victims higher or lower than 75
5: Higher. Why would
1: you say that?
5: (laughs) Well, you know, uh having lived in Florida and seeing all the guys out on the golf course all the time.
1: (laughs) Okay, so you'd say higher than seventy five percent?
4: Yeah.
5: And you would be correct, it's uh seventy
1: nine percent. Seventy nine percent are male. So uh congratulations. You uh, I think we had seven, you got uh five, five to seven. So well done thank you (laughs) well done mace all right well thanks uh thanks for playing along that was always fun so here's what we're going to do uh we're going to go ahead we're going to take our final break uh and and you can listen to if you happen to be uh, catching our podcast edited podcast you can catch tornado talk segment we're sharing the story of the 1974 xenia ohio f5 tornado uh, and we'll be right back uh, with some weather fools as well (laughs)
3: It was a most unusual day. From the west, a cold front, riding in high on the jet stream. From the Gulf of Mexico, a low mass of moist, warm, unstable air heading northward. And when they collided, it became the day of the killer tornadoes.
8: That clip is from a 1978 documentary of the April 3rd and 4th, 1974 super outbreak. 148 tornadoes in 24 hours. 95 were rated F2 or stronger, and 30 of those were given a rating of F4 or F5. 15 tornadoes occurred simultaneously at the height of the event. 13 states were affected across the eastern U.S. from the Great Lakes area down toward the Deep South. There were over 2,500 miles of damage path. 335 were killed, and more than 6,000 were injured. This twister tale looks at one of the strongest tornadoes of the outbreak and the deadliest. It was rated F5 and devastated Xenia, Ohio. This tornado developed five miles southwest of Xenia near Bellbrook in Greene County. It moved quickly to the northeast through Xenia, destroying or damaging about one half of the city. The population at the time was 25,000. There were public reports of two, possibly three separate funnels. The Arrowhead subdivision was leveled. 300 homes were destroyed and 2,100 were damaged. Most of the downtown business area was destroyed. Nearby, Wilberforce University and also Central State University sustained major damage to several campus and residential buildings. The Xenia High School was destroyed. A furniture manufacturing company, most of a foundry, and a machine company were demolished. The tornado continued into Clark County, where several farm buildings, some homes, and mobile homes sustained damage. The total path length of this tornado is just over 31 miles. President Richard Nixon visited Xenia a week following the tornado, and he stated, quote, it's the worst disaster I've ever seen. Over 1,100 injuries occurred due to the Xenia tornado, and there were 32 fatalities. On the official memorial dedicated to the lives lost, there are 34 names listed. Two Ohio Air National Guardsmen who were deployed to help during this disaster were killed on April 17th when a fire swept through their temporary barracks in a furniture store. Their names were added to the memorial. For the Storm Prediction Center, this event continues to be in the top 10 of costliest tornadoes on record. From Thomas Grisoulis, in Significant Tornadoes, quote, this was the most publicized tornado of the day and perhaps the most well-studied tornado in history from a wind engineering perspective. According to OhioHistoryCentral.org, bumper stickers that appeared within days of the tornado stated, quote, Xenia lives. By April 3rd, 1975, 80% of the destroyed homes and 40% of the businesses had been rebuilt in Xenia. All structures were repaired or rebuilt by 1984. You can read more about this event on our website at TornadoTalk.com. All of our summaries include detailed descriptions of the event, maps, images, videos, and newspaper clips. Share your tornado history stories with us. Go to our contact page on our website. Or reach out to us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.
3: Hey, this is Corey Harper with Severe and you are listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Let's
0: take a drive under the moon. Let's take a drive
4: under the snow. That's your cue. Yeah.
2: All folks. It is time for, you guessed it, Weather Fools. Of course, it's the fools of weather. So any idiotic thing that happens in a weather situation, um, we've got something that a viewer sent in from us. MJ, would you be so kind to share your screen?
0: I can uh, can do that. And this is shared by Parker Owens, who's one of our uh, faithful uh, viewers of our show uh, and listeners, I assume, too. And... He shared this with us and I have to do that and I'll play this and you go ahead and take a look and you can watch this uh you'll watch this umbrella and it has a platform and some guys get on it it's windy and away he goes you <laughs> oh. gotta see it again he gets on it it's like a platform and he rides it right up and out and it's uh it's pretty actually pretty amazing it happened in Turkey uh and so you want to make sure that you go and take a look at that uh, from our show notes
2: I wish that we knew where he ended up.
0: Kansas? I do too because you and can't where... tell. You sort of see them go off and then they stop. Who, whoever was filming
8: that off.
1: freaked out, obviously, and stopped, reco- stopped recording. Or exactly. we're in a, lit- a litigious society that they're like, "Okay, that's I'm going to cut it there because I don't want to show you know. what happens after."
3: <laughs> Man, that
1: was crazy, wasn't it? It's Mary Poppins, baby. Uh, Mary oh. Poppins, look, look, y'all, Mary Poppins.
2: Mary Poppins, I, a turkey all right phil you got one
1: i do have one i don't need to share my screen for this because it's really a story but um uh, it, it was uh, it was actually a day i was out chasing march 14th uh, i was out in uh, eastern uh, southeastern indiana but uh, there's tornado came through paducah kentucky there's actually a national weather service office in paducah but uh what, what had happened was this is lynx Services, so this is an employer, so here we are talking about employers again and uh legal issues, but link services it's a call center uh they basically uh, employ people to take phone calls for a um, insurance claims for for insurance claims purposes but so here's one of these offices It's all cubicles, and it's everybody next to everybody uh with their headsets taking phone calls, right Well, this is March fourteenth at Paducah tornadoes uh tornado warning tornadoes are coming through and of course these folks aren't allowed to bring their phones to their stations so they're they don't know what's going on other than other than they can look out the window and see it looks kind of nasty out there and there is an uh here, here's i'm talk a little bit about the story the unnamed employee so here's what happened 22 people filed an osha complaint against the company um uh but an un Unnamed employee claimed they went inside and told a supervisor about the warnings because they got up. I think they went to the bathroom and they saw something on one of the manager's computers. And uh, and they said something to the to the manager. And uh, the employee was told, quote, just take your calls. You'll be all right. Just continue working. During a tornado warning. Nice. Okay, just keep taking calls. Don't worry about it. Um, and so they filed an OSHA complaint, and, and uh, all this is happening. But I, I want to share what I share the response that the uh, company came back with. Um, Solera was the parent company. They care first and foremost for the safety and well being of our people and our communities. Although we have protocols in place to address these situations, we took immediate action when questions about safety procedures in the wake of the tornado activity were brought to our attention, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, they didn't, uh, but here's an example of someone, some manager uh, who really maybe has no idea what a tornado warning really means, thinks it's a watch or vice versa, and uh, just said, ah, keep working. We're going to be okay, uh, and there's literally literally, tornado went through Paducah. So, weather uh, fool. Yeah, link services is my hashtag weather fool, Morgan.
2: All right, and as always, you can always find our uh, weather fools on our website as always as As always always, you can always as always yes yes Yes. i was hoping no one caught that (laughs) (laughs) nobody did um (laughs) you can always always find our weather fools at our website stormfrontfreaks.com or your show notes on uh or our show notes on your favorite podcast podcast You you can tell i'm new at this you, I'll That'd tell you what, we
1: just have to make sure you, you just maybe have a shot of beer uh, when you right. start the show and not a can of beer when you start the show. <laughs> we, we learn everybody's tolerance, and that's okay. That's that's kind of how we figure it out. We learn what it takes.
3: I want to talk to you, about <laughs> world of fools.
1: And, and by the way, we are episode 76, if you happen to be looking for those show notes. Uh, feels, MJ, feels like episode one. MJ, MJ I've, let's, I let's check a It's like four out. for me. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. Give her a break. Your, yeah. your honeymoon period's over. I mean, you, you get one, and that's
0: about it. So,
4: oh. MJ,
1: let's check our freak fan box.
0: All right. In the fan box today, Chris White was checking in, said, listening to our show with Ada Manzan last uh, couple of weeks ago. He says, one takeaway was that a just in time supply chain doesn't work for major disasters like hurricanes or, you know, Hurricane Maria. Uh, fema needs supply depots similar to what the department of defense does so i thought that was kind of interesting an interesting thought good uh, idea thanks chris for sharing that and uh, that's what we got in the fan box always we'll take your questions at questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or on twitter at stormfrontfreak or on facebook uh, search for stormfrontfreaks
1: that's good that was like a morgan statement we'll take your questions at questions yes at stormfrontfreaks.com. that's our, dot com yeah okay a little bit, but
2: I had to. Not gonna let it that. down.
1: All right, so that just about does it for this episode of Stormfront Freaks podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. Uh, before I reveal our next guest, if you enjoy the show, do us a favor and leave a great review on your podcast app. And don't forget, please subscribe to the show by hitting your podcast app subscribe button. It works just like a magazine or newspaper subscription. It's free and it assures the latest show gets delivered right to your podcast inbox the moment we release it so i do want to say definitely a special thanks to uh, mace michaels tonight Mace, thank you for joining us thank you thanks for having me and taking the time man you're great and a lot of fun to have on so uh we'll have to have you on again but our, our next episode so is going to be in two weeks we're going to be recording on april 18th as part of our coast to coast with your favorite tv meteorologist series we're going to be with denver's fox kdvr's jessica labelle so uh, jessica will be with us and if you'd like to watch the recording live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, check out our YouTube channel by searching Stormfront Freaks. So for Maz, MJ, Morgan, our intern, and Mace, I'm going to go ahead and signal the all-clear, and we'll catch you guys next time. Good night, everybody. See ya. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Stormfront Freaks podcast. Find our bi-weekly show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Watch our shows on YouTube and Oklahoma Weather Tracker TV. For show notes, additional information about this episode, as well as past and upcoming shows, videos, photos, merchandise, and more, visit our website at stormfrontfreaks.com. While you're there, check out our live interactive storm chaser radar provided by our friends at zoomradar.com. If you would like to contact us with questions or make comments about the show, shoot us an email to questions at stormfrontfreaks.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Search for Stormfront Freaks. We'd love to hear from you. Join us next time and tell a friend about the
4: Stormfront Freaks podcast.